I think just end on the C. We won't do that F on this one. That was lovely. That was so pretty. So pretty. And then, well, you won't be here. God knows you can't do the swish if you can. I know. I really wanted to do it. I know, right? I know. So, well, we have to come to back. Right. We'll try it again another day. Right? Those are very cute. Very cute. One, one pant up and one pant down. Okay. Yay! It's quarter till. So, um, yeah, we could do the proclamation if you want to go through that once. Um, I don't think I made you a copy. We're not doing that today, Tom, but. Um, the proclamation? It's, it, we're supposed to stop now and pray. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. Read New City Catechism question 51 with me. Of what advantage to us is Christ's ascension? Christ physically ascended on our behalf just as he came down to earth physically on our account. And he is now advocating for us in the presence of his Father, preparing a place for us, and also sends us his Spirit. Romans 8:34 Who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised who is at the right hand of God who indeed is interceding for us The word of God for the people of God And I pray for Emily too and her travels and her fun in Hawaii I don't know if you have to pray for that but her uh, trip <laughs> Their travels, but travel mercies. Amen. Amen. Are you watching the kids? All right. So pray for Chris, too, that uh, she has strength to watch the little ones. Welcome. Today, as we read the scripture, we, and Keely read it for us, we are speaking and moving through some foundational teachings. And one of them that maybe we haven't heard a lot of sermons about is on the Ascension. Ever heard a sermon on the Ascension? Dedicated to the Ascension of Jesus when he ascended? No hands raised, see? It's hard to pass a few people, yeah. I've heard some. It is one of the more neglected uh, doctrines, teachings in the Bible. If you go looking... During this upcoming Easter, which will begin uh, this next Wednesday, 40 days before the coming of our celebrating the resurrection, the cross, and the resurrection of Jesus. Can you believe that's coming already? Start preparing for that in a week. You can go out and find cards. You can find cards for that. Of course, at Christmas, we send out lots of cards about the incarnation, the birth of Jesus, the coming, right? Have you ever searched for a card? How about you that raised hands on a heard a sermon on the on the ascension have you ever gotten that ascension card i don't think i haven't found one it might be keep mentioning it that's what we will talk about today we're looking at the ascension of jesus christ and we will look at the three roles uh, that jesus had while he was here he was both prophet both try prophet priest 
and king. And Jesus fulfilled all of these roles here on earth, but when he ascended, what we'll look at is how that only increased the effectiveness of those roles. That is, from our text, in Romans 8, he didn't just, Christ died, he was raised, but he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's interceding. So the intercession, the ascension of Christ, only accentuates those roles that he had here. That is, those roles didn't end. You know, it, it ended in some senses and that his physical presence isn't here on the earth. He ascended into heaven at the right hand of the Father. But those roles actually continue in power and in more power seated at the right hand of God than they did here. Kind of interesting, right? Like, does his ascension really mean that? That if Jesus is there and he ascended, what does it mean for those roles now? So I want to go through a a journey of just, uh, you know, I like to do a little bit of historical, scriptural analysis of the ascension. Like, is there scriptures in the Bible about it? How have we overlooked those? And there actually is. There's a lot of scriptures about Jesus' ascension. So general, some verses about the ascension. And then looking at prophet, priest, and king, how those roles are increased and measure through his ascension and exaltation at the right hand. So first, some general information on the ascension. In Acts 1, Luke is writing, he's finishing his gospel of Luke, so Luke wrote that, and then he's starting in another book to this Theophilus, who he's written to an orderly account of Luke, of the life of Jesus, but it doesn't end there. It's going to continue in this whole book of Acts. And so he says in the first book, Acts 1, 1 through 3, in the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. So his beginning of his life, his incarnation, how he lived, how he taught, you know, when he covers the crucifixion and then starts going in to the ascension. And so here in Acts 1, he says, goes on to say, until the day when he was taken up. Taken up is? It's the ascension. That's what we're talking about today. When he was taken up. And he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, whom he had chosen. So he's given them specific commands, and he's going to explain specifically what that was. Verse 3 says, Acts 1, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering. So after the cross, after his passion, his cross, his suffering, he presented himself to them by many proofs. So in many ways and in many proofs, he appeared to them after the resurrection. We talked about that last week, the resurrection. Appearing to them during 40 days, speaking about the kingdom of God. So for 40 days, if you don't know that, He didn't just raise and one day and they they ran around and then they went, yippee, and then Jesus was gone. He appeared for 40 days to them on many occasions with many proofs. He was alive, victorious, through death, over death to them. And and so Luke is saying now what's happening is this ascension. So he goes into the ascending and he talks about the command he breaks down the command 
that uh, Jesus gave to them during these 40 times, and they're, they're summed up in waiting for the power of God to fall in the Holy Spirit. The main thing is they're in this waiting phase. They're still confused. They still don't fully know what's going on. They fully don't know what the resurrection means. They don't know where it's headed. But in Acts 1, 4, and 5, it says, while we were staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The promise of the Father was the promise of the Holy Spirit, that was about to be poured out. They didn't have much more long to wait after these 40 days of appearing. So Jesus, kind of this is the order of the ascension, Jesus um, died on the cross during Passover, and the Feast of Pentecost was happening, Penta means 50, 50 days from Passover. So he's already appeared to them 40 days after the resurrection. So when he says not many days hence, you're going to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he means less than 10 days. So this is what's coming. Wait in Jerusalem. So these are his final instructions, summing up what he has appeared and he's told them. So verse 6 of Acts 1, he says, So when they had come together, they asked him, this is to kind of show they still don't get it, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Like we've been waiting for you to be the Mashiach that we read about who comes and defeats all the enemies. Are you going to crush Rome now? Are you going to do all these things we've long, we thought the Messiah was going to do right now? Because you're in a resurrected body and you got all power and we're agreeing with that. So are you going to restore it all now? Is it going to happen now? They're still like, we've been waiting 40 days. You know, this is a long time for us. We can sympathize with them. And he said that it was not for you to know the times or the season, seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So they're still wanting to put things in like, now, when, now. He's like, you don't need to know that. Here's what you need to know. You will receive power. Just do what I just told you. Wait in Jerusalem. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. So right here where you're going to be gathering, you're going to witness to me right then and there in Jerusalem, but also in Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. This is the empowering of the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses, to take the message of Jesus throughout the whole known world. While they were, so what happens then? Here comes the ascension. And when he had said these things, these are his last words on earth, last words finally, but as this glorified human resurrected, uh, over-defeating death, hell and the grave and out of the tomb after three days ministering to them for 40 days he, and he gives these last and final words it says in verse 9 of acts 1 when he had said these things as they were looking on they're looking at jesus intently he was lifted up what's that the ascension lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight and while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, that's the ascension, will come in the same way 
as you saw him go into heaven. So the Bible says a lot about the ascension, and the ascension comes with descending. The Bible actually talks a lot about descending and ascending. So for a lot of people, you might know one of the number one recurring hit songs of all time, rock songs, uh, Stairway to Heaven. Like hits number one all the time. When they, you're like going from 100 to 99 to 50 to 5. I haven't heard Stairway to Heaven yet. Oh gosh, yep, it hits number one. And so in Genesis, Jacob, in Genesis chapter uh, 28, he's sleeping on a, using a rock as a pillow and he has this dream of this stairway that is, stands from the earth up into heaven and he sees angels ascending and descending on it. This is the ascending and descending talk that we're talking about today, ascension and descension. So God speaks from the top of heaven, so heaven to earth, something is ascending and descending, the angels are, this message, this joining of heaven to earth, which is God's original plan in Eden to make heaven come to earth, have a people on the earth, this is the original goal, plan, everything. Jacob sees this, he sees heaven and earth, this descending, ascending, a joining of heaven to earth, and God speaks, and he says several things to Jacob, but one of them is, you know, I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac, your father, and you're Jacob, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless all the families of the earth in you, Jacob. This is it, through this ascending and descending upon you. So, flash forward a bunch, and we could study this ascending and descending a lot, but when Jesus calls one of his disciples in John chapter 2, verse 51, he meets this disciple named Nathaniel in John 2, 51. Well, 48 through like 51, but the very last verse of that, he talks about ascending and descending. Because Nathaniel is wowed by Jesus that he knows him. How do you know me? I knew you when you were under the fig tree. Something very personal that no one knew about. Jesus speaks into his life. This is prophetic ministry, by the way, when we get into Jesus as the prophet. He's speaking into Nathaniel's life and saying, I saw you under the fig tree. And he says, you're the Messiah. You're Mashiach. You're the Lord. And he goes, you believe? So you believe. Just because I say I saw you under the fig tree? I mean, I could just be a great prophet, right? But you believe I'm the Messiah? You know, and he goes, yeah. And he says, you'll see much greater things than this, Nathaniel. You'll see the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So this is the fulfillment of Genesis 28, that Jacob's descendant, Jesus, the angels are descending and ascending upon him. Isn't that beautiful? Man, like Jesus is the ladder. He's the connection between heaven and earth. He's the only mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. He is the one in whom there is the ascension and descension of heaven to earth. So if you look at this chart, this chart really helped me. There was this picture, and it kind of looked like a big horseshoe you know, but this side was taller, so imagine this big view, but this side, and it's like Jesus came down from heaven, and the scripture says, he who was rich became poor on our behalf. That means he left all the riches of heaven, that's in Second Corinthians 8, but he came down from heaven, he gave up everything, he left heaven, he was incarnate, he was, uh, somebody said this really helped them with the word incarnation, is the enfleshment. Said when I said that word, that really helped them. It is the enfleshment of the word. See, the word is spirit. God is spirit. Jesus at the right hand of God is the word of God 
he is spirit, but he becomes enfleshed into a man. This is the, that's what we celebrate Christmas for. It's powerful, isn't it? The enfleshment of God into a human. And so he comes down. That's descending. He's leaving heaven. He's descending. He descends as a servant of all. He descends to give his life as a ransom. He, his whole life here on earth in his enfleshment is a descent. He's descending. And then he goes all the way. He's obedient all the way to the point of death, even death on the cross. And the cross is the bottom of guilt and shame and bearing it for him. It's the bottom of the descent, but it's kind of at the bottom of that U. And it's curving because of the cross. And then it begins to come up because he's resurrected three days and he begins his ascension. See, he was made low, you know, humbling ourselves before God. Then you will be exalted. This is a, a pattern of ascending and descending. When you humble yourself before the mighty hand of God he will exalt you the Bible is full of descending and ascending and so Jesus through the cross is now coming up of, of this you are, uh, use your imagination I don't got a chart up here come on the imagination is better your you probably looks really cool that horseshoe thing in your mind right now but Jesus is coming out of the cross he's raised from the dead he's appearing for 40 days and then he gets to him and he says you guys wait in Jerusalem not many days hence how many days 40 already about less than 10 you know, it's coming, Pentecost is coming. And so his exaltation, he just lifts, ascends. That's exaltation. What's he ascending to into heaven? He's ascending to his throne. This is his coronation. He's just coming up. I'm king, Lord, over heaven and earth. And he's just lifting up. And they're just like going, okay, what does that mean? They're still like, oh, my gosh. And the Holy Spirit fell. 10 days later and they got what it meant right that's when the holy spirit came into them and they knew what jesus was talking about the holy spirit came in and he made everything real the holy spirit in them said that's what the cross meant that's what those 40 days of the resurrection that's what and peter gets up and he's a whole new man right on the day of pentecost he goes let me explain this to you guys this this little poor bummed out high school dropout fisherman guy he goes let me explain it all to you guys why because the power isn't in him powers in any of the disciples they're all none of them have gone on to midrash none of them have gone on to you know, high school and college to study religion they're all fishermen tax collectors hated people outcast lowly humble people but full of the holy spirit they're now preaching that's what ascension and descension will do that's what ascension does so hopefully that chart will help you because after the ascension what does he say hey men of galilee here they were galileans uh, don't stand up and look. He will return. So this is continuing to ascend. He's exalted at the right hand of God. And what is he doing right now? Exalted? Making intercession. That's what our text says. He was raised from the dead and he is making, he's interceding for. See, the ministry continues. His exalted ministry is continuing. He's in, he's in session right now. He's interceding. Exalted at the right hand. And it means something very powerful for us that he has ascended He's at the right hand of God. And he's ruling and reigning from there. Then he will return. The return of Christ. And then he will reign in glory forever. So it's just, it's just like eternal glory going up. So that's why I like the horseshoe being bigger on this side. It's just like into it with an arrow that just means it just keeps going. The glorification of Jesus forever. Forever. So his role. His role. You could start with any of these, but... I'm just starting with his prophetic role. Um, a, a verse for this is Luke 7, 16. It says, fear seized them all. Luke 7, 16, the word of God. 
And they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. I mean, there was no doubt that Jesus was fulfilling a prophetic role. Like every prophet before him, he was filled with God's spirit. It says with Jesus, it was without measure, filled with the spirit. Uh, proclaimed God's word, and like many prophets before him, he performed mighty signs and wonders, power backing him up. And Deuteronomy 18.15, this was prophesied. Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers, an Israelite, an Israelite brother like you. And it is to him you shall listen. This prophet, this prophetic role, he'll bring Prophets brought the word of God. They brought the message of God, and they brought it under the unction and power of the Holy Spirit, and they brought it with signs and wonders. And Jesus was fulfilling that. There's no doubt about that role of Christ and prophet. So when he is lifted and he ascends, Jesus is no longer here, humanly speaking. He is in heaven. Yet, in another sense, Jesus' ascension means he's only thrust into his prophetic ministry into a higher gear it's like shame guilt bear the cross exaltation ascension and it's just like into a higher more powerful i mean this is he will send the holy spirit this is a prophetic ministry i'm going to baptize you not many days from from now in the holy spirit i'm going to be exalted don't worry i'm going to send the power of the holy spirit this is our need to have the prophetic ministry of Jesus, and to have it accelerated. Jesus said this when he spoke of the Holy Spirit in John 16, 7. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Here's the truth, whether you believe it or not. I know a lot of like you. I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have held on to Jesus. I wish I could have walked with Jesus. I wish I could have seen them. Jesus actually says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Soak in that for a second. No, it isn't, Jesus. I want you to stay right here, right now. He's like, you know, Believe it or not, I'm going to tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. They didn't get that at that time either. But when the Holy Spirit came, they go, ooh, that might be to our advantage that he went away. <laughs> they begin to get it. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but I will send him to you. It's to your advantage, Jesus is saying. My prophetic ministry to ascend is to your advantage. For me to leave now the earth and to ascend, for all you watching watching on is to your advantage because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And it's going to do more. Boom! I mean, hitting overdrive and your final gear is the exaltation, the ascension of Jesus. It's going to be to your advantage. And the, the ascension does that. He shifts his, his role from prophetic here on the earth to prophetic from heaven. And he sends his, the Holy Spirit to believers without distinction. It does not matter who you are. You can be in a gutter wrapped up in sin and drugs. And believe me, I have met them, taught them, worked with them. And they have the powerful, life-changing experience that Jesus has come into their life and they're changed. The Holy Spirit is given without uh, distinction about who you are, your place in society, from the top to the lowest, from slave to free, from Jew to Greek, to all of these areas just transcends that the Holy Spirit will be sent to all without distinction. And his 
ascension extends his prophetic ministry beyond what we could have ever achieved if Jesus just stayed here on earth. Taking that, I thought about it, I said it. Now despite his physical absence, he dwells in us by his spirit, spirit, enabling us to be his witnesses. That's what he said, to be empowered to be my witnesses. So in John 15, he said, when the helper comes, I will send him to you. I will send you, send him to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who will proceed from the Father. He will bear witness about me. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. He will bear witness about me. Man, you can be, and you might not know a whole lot about Jesus, but the Holy Spirit does. He's been with him from eternity, and he can speak through you. It's, it's good to study, and it's good to yield to the Holy Spirit and let him be a testimony through you of who Jesus is. So this prophetic ministry also means that Jesus is priest, his priestly ministry from heaven. So Jesus was a priest here on earth. It's interesting, I, I didn't have time to read this book. I did a kind of just a summary of it by Patrick Schreiner. Uh, he did a book on the ascension, pretty short, 120 pages. And he just talks about the ascension and, and a lot of these things that I'm talking about. Uh, but he does cover these roles. And when he gets to the priestly role of Jesus, he says, Jesus' function as priest while on earth, like the Levitical priest, he began his ministry at age 30 with a water-washing ritual. I just like the beginning of that. That in Numbers 4, when you looked at the Levitical priesthood, they began their ministry at age 30. And they would go through these different cleansing rituals. Jesus went out, uh, Luke uh, says in Luke 3 23 Jesus after being baptized by John he goes uh, begins his ministry and it says about the age of 30 so he was 30 years old when Jesus began his ministry and uh, so this just ties in with the priestly ministry that he would have uh, Levitical priests were chosen by God to offer sacrifices on behalf of God's people Jesus did that though his sacrifice was infinitely better it was himself. He would offer himself as a sacrifice on behalf of the people. Psalm 110 prophesies this, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. If you want to know about Melchizedek and his priesthood, read Hebrews 7, and that's the priestly order of Melchizedek. And why that was interesting, because we're going to get next into his kingship, and everybody knew that the Messiah, king, would come from Judah. It was promised that he would come from the tribe of Judah. So how can Jesus be priest, too? How can he be the ultimate high priest? Well, Psalm David, 110 there, and verse 4 is explaining. He won't be a priest in the Levitical order. He'll be a priest in the order of Melchizedek when you read about this mysterious character in Genesis. And then the Hebrews writer explains that in Hebrews 7. And we read that scripture of today in our liturgy, Hebrews 7, 25, Jesus is able to save those who draw near to God through Jesus since he always lives to make intercession for them. He forever lives to make intercession, to intercede for his people. He's still in this priestly role. It's only shifted into another gear. His priestly role here was to make himself the ultimate sacrifice to, to, for us through his own blood, not offering the blood of a bull or goat, but offering his own blood on the cross. So his sacrifice was infinitely better. 
being ascended as high priest on our behalf means this. He made himself high priest at God's right hand, and he's still making intercession for us and for our sins. Still, the blood is there in heaven upon an altar. He's offered it before God, and it still cleanses us from our sin and anyone who wants to repent and believe in the gospel to this day. The powerful intercession of the high priestly order, Jesus exalted at the right hand of the God, at the right hand of God, is still making intercession for us today. And it's beautiful. I can go right now and go, man, I've sinned. I sinned this morning. I sinned, Jesus. Will you forgive me? And he's making intercession for me. Will you forgive me, Father? Will you delight with me? And really our text is this is in some ways core to our text today in Romans 8 because it starts off who will condemn he's talking about being condemned for sin he's talking about condemnation he's talking about who will bring a charge before God's elect in the verse previously to Romans 8 that we read today in 34 8 33 is who will bring a charge against God's elect you're God's children you're his chosen and, and who, who will condemn you who will condemn me right now devils angels the accuser of the brethren what will he say well Paul's saying, Jesus died. Jesus rose again. Jesus is making intercession for you, right? He's exalted at the right hand. He has ascended. No one can condemn. No one can condemn you. Look at what Jesus has done. He's descended. He's gone all the way to the cross for you, and he's ascended to the right hand of God. So, he is that high priestly, and he's made us priests also. We'll get into a little bit of 1 Peter 2.5. 2, it says he's made us a holy priesthood. Believe it or not, he, has, he is interceding from heaven and he's carrying out that priestly ministry and forgiving our sins, but he's sending us out as priests. You're, if you have faith in Jesus, a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices. Okay, 1 Peter 2.5. We're a holy priesthood. So Jesus is sending us out. It says that in Hebrews 4.14, we have a high priest who's passed through the heavens. So he's in heavens. He's ascended into heaven. And Hebrews 4.15 and 16 says, Jesus has given us this mercy and grace as our high priest. He's making this intercession for us. And he really, in this desiring of passing through the heavens for us and his intercession as priest, He's shown us so much grace and mercy, and we're to take that out. We are to show grace and mercy to others in their time of need, just like he showed us grace and mercy in our time of need. Amen? Sending you out as a holy, holy priesthood. And he ascends as king. I think his kingship and his ascension, that is his enthronement. That's his coronation. This is the key from where prophetic ministry and priestly ministry flow from, is that Jesus has been made king. He's been enthroned. Now, we know he was born king. We know the Christmas story about the wise men in Matthew 2, 2, when they come and they say, where is he who was born king of the Jews? It's about kingship. They're coming to worship a king, a Lord, who has been born king of the Jews. So we know he was born that. We know that the debate with uh, Pilate and Herod and all of them had to do with his kingship. In Luke 23, 3, Pilate asked him, are you king of the Jews? And he answered, you have said so. He just admits it right out there to his face. Yeah, I am. And in Luke 23, 
you know, what uh, Pilate has put over his head as he was crucified on the cross. The Luke 23, 38 says there was an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. That's what he put. Pharisees argued about it. No, don't put he is the king of the Jews. Put that he said he was the king of the Jews. And Pilate said, I have said what I have said. And I put it up there. This is the king of the Jews. And so there was this kingship of Jesus that he was king. But what does it mean when he's enthroned? I mean, when he ascends. I mean, this is his coronation. It's like he is king. He is Lord. Here is the human man, Jesus, resurrected from the dead, now ascending coronation. I mean, what's a king without a coronation, right? You got to have that. That's like pomp and circumstance. He's like lifting up the clouds, receiving him. Many times clouds means the saints, the heavenly beings, all of that receive him. It's like, oh my gosh. Their eyes were open. It's true reality. That's true reality is that realm, that heavenly realm that rules over this earthly realm. And Jesus was ascending to it as king. So, his, sh- his shift of his enthronement and his ascension, ascension makes a shift in Christ's role as our king. Christ existed as king on the earth, but until he went to the Father and was installed and exalted at his right hand, the, the ascension was his kingship completed. He is at the right hand of God. He is exalted in power. Colossians 2 says that he canceled out the record of our debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He set them aside, nailing them to the cross. So his death pays the price for our debt that stood against us. The law said, do this, be this way. We failed. We were indebted to the holy standards of God. But Jesus nailed them to the cross in himself. And what he did in Colossians 2.15 was he disarmed the rulers and authorities and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them through the cross. He triumphed over every spiritual, demonic, demon, devil, and his demons' powers through the cross. He defeated sin on our behalf. He triumphed over sin and he defeated his enemies through the cross. But that is the cross. But in his ascension, Ephesians 1 says that he has ascended Verse 21 says, far above all rule. So think about that. I like far above. Not just like, okay, there's a rule and he's like right here. Like far above. You know, just see that arrow going up his ascension. is like way up there above any other rule, any other authority, any other power or dominion. Above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. It doesn't matter in what time and in what age. Jesus has ascended far above all the rule so as prophet priest and king jesus died for our sins he rose again he ascended to the right hand of god and his ascension says that he's still working now and he's working now far above all rule authority power and dominion jesus has ascended with all things under his feet and he is exalted as king prophet and priest above all things head over the church so he has sent you out he sends us out And he sends us out as prophets, ruling as the ultimate prophet. What does this mean? He sends you out to be ambassadors for Christ. He sends you out to preach the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling reconciling people who are separated from God into peace with God. He sends you out to be his prophets. And he rules in that prophetic ministry. He sends you out 
as the holy priesthood, 1 Peter 2, 5. It goes on, 1 Peter 2, 9. You're a royal priesthood. You're kings and priests. But in this priesthood ministry, he sends you out to minister that reconciliation. And he sends you out as kings, the exalted king placed at the right hand of God, his enthronement, his ascension to the right hand of God above every name that is named in this age and the age to come. He is Lord and King, and he sends us out as a kingdom, as kings and priests, to be ambassadors for Christ, proclaiming his excellencies and calling people out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen? Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who indeed is interceding for us. As prophet, priest, and king. He's in the king. Amen. As we sing this worship song, we're going to just exalt Jesus with our mouths our tongues we're going to give jesus praise but we're going to take communion today together we have these available in the seats before you they have a little piece of bread if you're a believer in jesus christ put your trust and faith in jesus you're welcome to take this with us today in the night that jesus was betrayed took bread and he gave thanks to the father for it and he said this is my body take it and eat do this in remembrance of me let us partake of the bread together in like manner he took the cup said this is the cup of the new covenant given for the remission of sins take and drink of it and do this in remembrance of me and remember my death until I come until I return let us partake of the cup together Jesus, at Passover, when we offered the, the bread out, it was the bread of affliction. You bore the affliction in your body so that we could enjoy the sweetness of the presence of God in our lives. And we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit you have sent to dwell within us, to make your presence real. We thank you for your body that was broken for us. We thank you for this cup of the new covenant in your blood. It represents all that you accomplished through your shed blood on the cross. We thank you so much. Like the water that you turned to wine at the wedding in Cana, that was the best that they had had at the end of the wedding. So your wine, Lord, your shed blood grows sweeter and sweeter in us as the days go by. We thank you, Lord, 
all your gifts to us in Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for your accomplishment in our lives. The power of the Holy Spirit is dwelt within us. Anoint our hearts to worship you, to truly worship you in spirit and in truth and give you praise. We ask in Jesus' name. i 
Shipping or out of town. So I'll be up here if you need ministry or prayer. <laughs> 